In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about having an intergenerational church. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with the University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson on a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. Um, fantastic morning this morning, seeing a lot of uh, you know brethren and seeing a lot of uh, people that have come from other places in the country, uh, familiar faces, new faces. Things are getting to get back to a little more normal at my house. Um, as uh, many of the church family knows, my youngest son was diagnosed with, with COVID this week, and what that meant was he had a fever for one day and has been milking it for all of its worth ever since. So... Take him and hopefully get a, a negative test result tomorrow and send him back off to school on Tuesday. Anyway, Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. We have had our rounds of COVID at our house. My my wife got it. Uh, my daughter, who doesn't live here anymore, I got it twice. We've played with COVID mm. a, f- a few times. The end stage of this disease, and I'm, I'm praying this is the end stage of the disease. Boy, this, this has just been a wild ride. Who would have thought... Two and a half years later, we'd still be talking about COVID. Yeah. So instead of uh, two weeks to flatten the curve, we were two two plus years, and we'll we'll flatten the curve. That's finally. right. That's exactly right. And to those of you who are going through COVID right now, you're in our pro- mm-hmm. you're in our prayers. You're yeah, in absolutely. our thoughts. So anyway, today uh, you didn't preach again, Josh. It's becoming a habit. Um, however, Bob Owen did preach. Uh, Bob's a former preacher uh, and teacher. Uh, who's now in his 90s. The Bible talks often about the advantage of being older and having wisdom, and that wisdom often comes with age. However, things have changed in recent generations in how we think about the elderly. Why do you think we've seen that shift in how we think about the elderly? So I'm, I'll, uh, I'll think of a couple of things here, and then I'd be interested to get your perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's one that, you know, within our, our, our mainstream media, that which is old is, is denigrated. Um, you look at any popular television show movie, it's not the older wizened people that, you know, are, are the heroes. You even look at, uh, you know, a series like, you know, Harry Potter, where you have a, yeah. you have a blending and one of the heroes is a, an older figure yeah, but he's not the one who saves the day. Is is right. the young high school hero that that ultimately saves the day? So we've had a lot of this. And granted, I can't speak to what life was like in the 1800s or the early 1900s. I do wonder if because the it seems as if technology and the rate of change has accelerated, maybe life. You know, if you were if you were born in the 1810s, life in the 1840s may not have seemed as radically different as it's opposed to someone who, if you were born in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s, ask someone who was born in the 40s or 50s, yeah. you know, what was what was their life like and how, how did life change? And, and so I think there's there's this concept that if if someone is older, then they they did not come through a lot of the experiences that younger people have mm-hmm. they they've they've gone through experiences but they they were dealt with in, in different ways and Kenny you and I have acknowledged that too you know mm-hmm. that our our kids and where they are in life they they're navigating 
middle school and high school in, in ways that you know you and I didn't necessarily have to navigate. Right. That said, um, I don't I don't agree, and I don't think you do either, with you know relegating. Uh, you know, older people to fossilhood, uh, shall we say? <laughs> um, so there's that. Then there's also uh, I'll look at it within the church. We don't give older voices as much of a voice anymore. Yeah, um, I agree. And there's a, there's a few reasons for that. We, 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 brother Owen may, may teach a Bible class, but he's not in the pulpit, uh, nearly as much as, as say I am. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, he doesn't want to be up in the pulpit, uh, that much. Uh, but we, we tend to do things that, that do, we, we want to say, uh, appeal to a younger audience. We, we host events that have a, a younger audience in focus we try to utilize younger members of the church in, in a variety of ways and for good reason. You know, we want to have them involved. We want to uh, train them. Uh, so some on-the-job training kind of thing. And all those things are well and good. But we can be so focused in those things that the older voices and the experience is not utilized in, in the way that it, that it should be. And so there's definitely calls for concern in the culture at large, but I think we within our in our local congregation we need to be aware of this as well to to understand we we've got these valuable resources mm-hmm. that we could perhaps utilize better than we have in the past. Yeah, I agree. I'm a communication professor, and one of the things that I know, and, and I'll try not to give the communication professor answer here. When we got mass media that appealed to broad audiences. The, that was very expensive for them to produce. And when they were producing that, they had to sell advertising. And in order to sell advertising that would actually move product, they had to think about the types of audiences that were in the market for products. They were younger. They were starting families. They were buying furniture. They were thinking about life insurance. They were thinking about things that a young consumer needs to buy. And so often what happens is the programming itself starts getting targeted to a younger consumer because there was so much stuff that they had to buy. And they also kind of intuitively understood what mass media was doing. Whereas the older generation, they had cows to milk. They had crops to to gather. They didn't have, they didn't have the, the, the technical expertise, nor did they have the interest they felt like there was part of their lives that they just had to go tend to. And so the younger generations, every younger generation has been kind of more into the technology and more into the mass media and the mass media eats that up. And it's kind of a sad thing because what's happened as a result is the mass media starts modeling for us what normal life should look like. And we start taking that model on. I think one of the things, and just like I ruined Winnie the Pooh, I, I definitely want to ruin the Wizards of Waverly Place. And, and a lot of that Disney programming for, for younger children, because the people who are, are the most competent are the children. Why? Because young kids love to identify with these, with these smart-alecky kids on television. And that is fun escapism until they start modeling it. So I, I get it. Um, 
But going back to Brother Owen, he did a really good job about talking about what active faith means. Can you think about those who are older or wiser than you that have inspired your faith? Oh, absolutely. And I think both of us have, have had experiences in, in congregations, a, a variety of congregations. You know, the first one that, that comes to mind, and I'll, I'll just go outside of my own family because I could certainly talk about my grandparents yeah. and my parents and, and what they meant for me. But I had a, a Bible class teacher when I was a kid. Her name was Jean Phillips. And um, she, I don't know how old she was when I was in that class. Uh, she was probably at that time in her 60s or 70s. But she consistently taught those those kids' classes in church and, and helped instill a love for God in us. But I tell you, even after that, you know, I, I don't know if, if I'm assuming college kids still like to receive physical mail. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, who doesn't like to get a letter, <laughs> a nice letter every once in a while? Yeah. Well, when I was in college, she consistently wrote to me. And just to encourage me, and I would, you know, see her on occasion when I'd go back home. And if I were home on a Sunday and, you know, worshiping where, where I grew up and see her and, and just always remember that, you know, that's not a, that's not a large, um, you know, gesture, but it, I mean, she did a lot better job about communicating in that way than I do. Mm -hmm. And I know what it meant for me and just the little bit of encouragement that I would take every time I got one of her letters. I think of uh, a sister like Bobby Comer uh, within our oh, congregation. Man. And yeah. for the longest time, you know, there wasn't a, a holiday or birthday that wouldn't go by without both of my children receiving individual notes from Bobby Comer. Yeah. She just takes, you know, such great interest in, in all of these, you know, younger people. And, and she wants them to know that there are people like her who love them and pray for them and care for them. And then, you know, that's just, that's just two examples of, of legion, you know, uh, Kenny, why don't you share some of yours? Oh my goodness. I th yeah. I mean, right before we got on, we started talking about some of the people, Thelma Fletcher, who is still, I, I think she's getting close to a hundred. She's somebody who who practices hospitality better than than a lot of people that I know. Uh, I I think about um, Mary Smith, uh, and again, you know, and I know both that, that we are bringing up a small minority of people that we could learn a lot from. But Mary is just a class act. Bobby Comer the same way. Those two ladies are just class acts all the way around. They're very thoughtful. They're very kind. They're they're very generous. They're, they are people that, quite frankly, are just excellent examples. And I, I, I apologize right now for all the people we're not mentioning, because there are so yeah. many other people that, that we could easily slot right into this. And I, I do worry, and we'll talk about this in just a second, I do worry that there's a whole generation of people, and I, I, I'm not wishing this on any of them, but it takes no crystal ball to figure out that we're going to lose some of these people. And I hate that we're going to lose the experiences and the influence that they have because they're really good people. And I hope we start mm -hmm. taking advantage of, of getting to know them more. So for those who are listening, and, and as, we, as we've mentioned, you know, you and I, we kind of talk about the questions a little bit before we, yeah. you know, we map out questions. We don't, we don't go over our answers. No. And I find it fascinating that the two of us 
mentioned a series of older sisters in the church. Oh, we, yeah. we didn't mention a single older older brother in the church, and not to, certainly not to say, you know, Bob Owen, Harold Comer, and a host of others are are not magnificently influential and have been. But it just it's interesting to me that the the examples that we latched on first were these older sisters because they they have such a way of encouraging and of showing real empathy and concern and care. They do it a lot better than I do. Yeah, I tell you what, Harold, I, if you want if you want want me to rhapsodize on anybody, I could talk a long a long time about Harold. I won't, but I, just an inspiration and not just to me to to a bunch of guys. We've talked about some of the challenges of having an intergenerational church. The challenge isn't the benefit. We both see the benefit. But simply making it happen. Um, how do you think we can be more intergenerational in our thinking? That's a great question. And, and I'll let you uh, be responsible for saying intergenerational the most often, because <laughs> uh, that, that's a hard word that to, to spit out there. I, we kind of talked about this in, in, in the first question, that because we do get kind of honed in on on different demographics in the church, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we, we do put a lot of time into um, the young, and, and we should. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, on young families because, honestly, if you look at you know, what we would typify as, as vibrant congregations, as opposed to, you know, congregations that we would have, you know, maybe concerned for their, for their long-term future. Well, one congregation has growing families and the other one doesn't. And so, you know, we, we do put a lot of emphasis into, into families and growing families. But I think what we have to do is we have to recognize the value of, of all the different demographics within the congregation. You know, a passage I was looking at and in, in even thinking about this is in Proverbs 4. And of course, Proverbs 4, going back to, you know, Brother Owen speaking this morning and, and wisdom that comes from the aged. Um, so Proverbs 4 starts off with, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. And he goes on to talk about, you know, acquiring wisdom and acquiring understanding. But the beauty of that proverb is you have the intergenerational dynamic of wisdom. That here is a, a father seeking to instruct his son, but he's hearkening back to the fact that his father had at one time instructed him. Mm-hmm. I want my my kids to have the benefit of the knowledge of, of these older saints. But I tell you, where the church needs the older saints the most is that they can instruct me. And that if I can take the wisdom from them, then I can then in turn pass it down to my sons and you can pass it down to your son and your daughter, uh, and that that continues on. Um, that's why there, there's an importance in in each aspect, each part of the demographic of a church. That this is this is the way that that wisdom is disseminated. And again, we go back to we think of how different the world is. We're not going to ask Brother Owen or Brother Comer or, or Sister Mary Smith or anybody else, you know, to to tell the kids about how to use social media. 
Right. That would be that would be pointless. <laughs> but they can talk about what it is to have respect. And they can talk about what it is to to be compassionate and to mm-hmm. be a good neighbor, you know. And, and so that what we do is is we take these timeless lessons and principles, and we just try to apply it to to the new mediums that our kids and future generations are then going to have to navigate with. Yeah. Uh, so the wisdom is timeless, even if we have to look at different ways of implementing the wisdom. One of the other things that I would say is, and see if you agree with this, you're welcome to disagree with me if you do. I think we take it for granted the younger members are going to have more confidence than they probably do to approach the older members. There has to be somebody that that, that crosses that generational line. And let me just put it out there. If you're older, let me make you the initiator. Um, I am a college professor. I surround myself with 18 to 22-year-old students most of the day. They are very kind, but they are also very naive. They don't know what they don't know. And it's not like they would even know the right questions to ask. They don't know where most things go. And I realize you don't want to be somebody who is basically inserting yourself into situations where you feel like you have no business. But heavens, if you see a donkey in the ditch, get it out of the ditch. If you see somebody's life is is going to be severely disrailed by some seemingly innocuous decisions, love them enough to lovingly start talking about some of the consequences and not in a judgy kind of fashion. Mm -hmm. The elderly are wise. And I think about the, the organization of the church. We call them elders. Why? They should be older. With that age should come wisdom. Television does a pretty nice job of talking, showing us the perfect couple that are basically in their 20s or 30s, and they they will never be in as a good physical condition in their lives. But their marriage is extremely new. They will never have more conflicts than they do at the beginning of their marriage than later on when they're married 20, Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years. They don't know what marriage is until they've got some mile on the odometer. So I think older women should teach the younger women. I think older guys should teach the younger guys. And especially in this day and age, I don't think the younger are going to reach out that much. I think, I think you're right. And I also think it is biblical to to say that the, the responsibility falls more on the older. Um, You know, there are passages like Titus two where you know Titus in Titus two is, is encouraged to exhort the different age demographics in the church, you know, to to be certain things, and of course of the older women, he he says that you know they're to teach what is good, and in verse four that they may encourage the younger young women to love their husbands, to yeah. love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, yeah. all these other things. That's that's something that the old will have to approach the young about. Paul takes it upon himself rather frequently uh, with the the younger men that have worked with him to reach out. You know, yeah. Titus is written to a young evangelist. First and Second Timothy are written to to young preachers, and part of that is just to encourage them in their work, but part of that's to to talk to them about things that were going on in their lives. Um, you yeah. know, so this is this is the older taking the responsibility to to reach out to the, to those who are younger. The, the only other thing that I would add to that is 
if the only time you talk to these people is when you're when you're criticizing, then it's a critical relationship. In other words, it's a, it's, it's a criticizing relationship. Yeah. The, the, the old saying is, you, you need to build the roof in the sunshine, not when it's raining. So start building the relationships before you need to have the hard conversations. Josh, you and I are no spring chickens anymore. Uh, we both have a little bit more mileage on our odometers uh, than, say, I don't know, high school or college-age kids. What do you wish you would have learned when you were those ages? What questions did did you just not know to ask? That's a great question. Um, I think I think both of us would probably recognize there's a lot of things we thought we knew that we didn't knew didn't know, um, and, and still probably you know there are probably still assumptions I have that I'm going to be proven wrong on as I as I move forward. Yeah, yeah. I tell you one of the things that in in my life, um, in particular in in my marriage, but also in so many relationships, I wish that I knew not to simply look at what a person is saying or doing or how they're responding in the moment. Yeah. Um, to, to get a better feel of who they are and, and what's kind of made up their background and, and let that kind of guide me into into judging who the person is and, and why why they're responding in, in the way uh, that they're they're responding. This this whole notion that's so prevalent in the New Testament about coming to understand one another. I didn't I didn't do a very good job of that. I, I just kind of judged a book by its cover uh, t- so many times. And if you said something that was hurtful, I thought you were just a bad person. If you uh, yeah, um, you know affronted me in some way, I thought, well, you've, you've got issues and wish that I had, had, had delved more into who is this person, what's made them tick. And maybe we can have a relationship once we kind of get to know and, and understand each other. And so I think of that and, and I think of, you know, how that would have improved relationships over the years. And I wish I had, had known, you know, kind of about that more when I was young. Kenny, what's one you got? I, I guess kind of going off what you're talking about. I I think when I was younger, number one, like most of us, I thought I was a lot smarter and wiser than I actually was. I thought I had, <laughs> I was an amazing parent before I had children. And then once I started having children, I, I started figuring out what I didn't know. And that was that was a wake up call for me. But more than that, I think for a lot of people, I ascribed bad motives to things which I considered then and probably still consider bad ideas on how to proceed with something. But I don't think it was bad motives. I, I think it was just a different way of seeing something and, and that, that idea of perspective and that often people will make decisions based on who they are and what they understand. Uh Rather than wanting something that's bad, almost everybody I meet really, truly, honestly wants something good. And they're doing the very best they can to do that. And maybe they're a lot farther along than I am. And maybe they're not as far along as I am. But nobody deserves to be treated poorly uh, because of, 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 I don't know, a dumb decision. Or just a decision that, that is different than, than the decision that I would have made. I, I also I wish I would have learned earlier which fights are worth fighting, 
and which fights are just stupid. And I can think of most of the political fights that I've ever had, number one, changed nobody's mind, but also kept me from hearing a different perspective on something that I would have been better off listening to and maybe not still agreeing, but understanding. Uh, I think <laughs> the old cliche is hurt people hurt people. I think that's more true than, than I probably recognized when I was younger. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I wish I, I, I wish I could have learned to love people more younger. And I guess that's what I would tell kids or people who are younger than I am. People will cut you a lot of slack when they understand how deeply you love them if you do. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm going to go ahead and shortcut here to what's our standard final question, because we always talk about how does this help us pursue God's upward call? Mm -hmm. Well, we're talking about intergenerational church. Yeah. And we're talking about this principle, like we've read from Proverbs 4, that, you know, wisdom is intergenerational. Yeah. Well, if there are things that you and I and and any one of our members have come to learn and understand, that's going to help us you know, reach our potential of what God sees in us, but yeah. it also puts upon us a responsibility. We need to pass these lessons on. We yeah. need to help the next generation. Uh, maybe they won't have to fight through some, some things and, and have hurt relationships because they've, they've gotten better instruction and, and they, they were given some wisdom that, that maybe you and I didn't have, uh, that we had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Well, if we can pass that on, then that helps the next generation uh, reach the upward call as well. Yeah, I could not agree more. Okay, Josh, you're coming back to the pulpit, aren't you? Sometime. I, I think, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, I won't break a leg before next Sunday or something. But yes, yes, I, I, I should be in town and Lord willing, I'll I'll be presenting a lesson next Sunday. And do you have any idea what you're going to be talking about? I am. We're back to our our theme, and uh, we're looking at the the remnant, God's remnant. And we're going to look at this principle uh, in Scripture uh, of how God's remnant stands out and what it is exactly about God's remnant that causes us to stand out in this broader world. So I'm not going to give away any more than that, uh, but that's what we're going to be looking at next next Sunday. That sounds great. Well, I look forward to it. I tell you what, man, let's talk next week then. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org, including the sermon that we discuss in this episode. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.